Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Good afternoon, Stevens Creek. How you feeling? Y'all awake? Good. I'm glad to see y'all, and I'm so glad to be here. My name is Mo. I'm one of the pastors here at The Creek, and if you're watching us online or joining us in our video venue, we just want to say welcome. We are so glad that you decided to go to church today with us here at The Creek. Can we welcome those who are watching via technology and just celebrate them? Grateful to have y'all. We have been in a series the last few weeks, guys, called Unsure. Uh, navigating faith in a world full of doubt. And the first week, we talked about the doubts of our faith. And then the next week, we talked about really being unsure about our decisions. And last week, we talked about being unsure in the middle of a storm. And this week, we're going to talk about purpose. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to Judges chapter 4, starting at the fourth verse. Judges chapter 4, starting at the fourth verse. And it reads... Now, Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at the time. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinanob, from Kadesh Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, Go, gather your men at Mount Tabor? taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zubalan, and I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. Barak said to her, if you will go with me, I will go, but if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. I want to talk to you a little bit about purpose and finding purpose. Uh, Father, bless our time together. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive what you would say in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, me and my wife, we have a two and a half year old little boy, and he is all boy, very rambunctious, uh, dry, uh, runs all over the place and gets hurt quite often. And it's been fun. We are in the joys of parenthood and we are learning, learning so much. And right now we're in the midst of really implementing and using the timeout feature. Now, this is a little new to me because my mom really believed in spare the rod, spoil the child. And I mean, she did all right. I still flinch a little bit when I walk by belts in the department store. But other than that, it's a great thing. It, it was wonderful. But we're using this timeout feature. And y'all, I think I found the secret to success on this because I'm no longer the bad guy when it comes to timeout. What we do is we take, we take him to his timeout spot and we say, Alexa, set a five-minute timer. Those of you who are watching at home, I apologize for your Alexa going off. But 
Alexa, set a five-minute timer, and right? So he sits down, and he's mad, but he's not mad at daddy because Alexa is the one who keeps him in timeout, and Alexa is the one who is holding the time, and it is the greatest thing in the world because daddy goes from being the one who punished him to being the one who sets him free, and he is so excited to see his daddy. Uh, I had to use it actually this morning before I came to church, and we did the same routine, took him to timeout. He sat down, Alexa did her thing, and then I came and I grabbed his hand and he said, Daddy, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. And I just thought for a minute, wow, that's so amazing how such a simple thing like moving out of timeout brought such joy, elation, and excitement to his life. I begin to reflect, when was the last time that I was excited about something so simple? When did something so simple bring me such uh, joy and elation? And I, I think the, the difficulties and trouble of life kind of begin to sap that and uh, suck that out of us and push us into uh, fretting and worrying and frustration and all those other things. But at our core, I really believe that we are searching, trying to reclaim and Get back that joy, get back that peace, get back all of those things from those uh, earlier moments, those simpler times and simpler moments. And I really think that the pursuit of that is connected to answering the question that is probably most difficult for us is, why am I here? What am I doing here? What is my purpose? Why, why do I exist? And uh, it, it is the question many of us are most unsure about. We buy books to explain it. We go to seminars to understand it. And we are all trying to find the answer to that because uh, the key is that answering that question is really the key to finding fulfillment in life. Answering that question is really the key to finding contentment and satisfaction in life. Let me say it a different way. A fulfilled life is found in fulfilling purpose. A fulfilled life is found in fulfilling your purpose. You see, you are not an accident. You are purpose by design. You were created on purpose to fulfill a purpose. And the reality is, is that in order for you to find the joy, the peace, and the security, and the things that you are looking for, yes, that is found in Jesus, but furthermore, it is found in doing what Jesus has created you to do. That, that, that's the reason why you can have Jesus and be frustrated. That's the reason why you can have Jesus and be uh, confused about what you're supposed to be doing because Christ didn't come to just set you free. He came to set you free so that you can live life more abundantly and accomplish the purpose that he has set out for you. That's good news because if I know this, then I can understand what I need to be pursuing. And if I could boil it down to your function of your purpose, it is your purpose is to make a difference in the life of others. At the end of the day, your purpose is to make a difference in the lives of others. Yeah, a secondary benefit, it is going to benefit you. It is going to be good for you. But ultimately, you exist to make a difference in the life of others. That because you were alive, somebody's life was different. Because you were alive, you influence, impact, change somebody else's life. 
Nelson Henderson says it like this, the, the point of life, the goal of life, or the meaning of life is to plant trees whose shade you never expect to sit under. That because I was alive, a generation in front of me, a generation that comes after me will have an impact, will, will be different because I existed. And each of us have that call, each of us have that purpose on our life, whether we believe it's small or large, we all are called to make a difference in the lives of others. In our scriptural text this morning, we find a guy named Barak who is literally, Barak rather, sorry, uh, Barak who is literally called to make a difference in the lives of others, but not just others. He is called to make a difference in the life of a nation. He's called to make a difference in the life of the nation of Israel. And in the midst of him finding out his purpose, in the midst of him finding out where he is supposed to be and what he's supposed to be doing, he eventually accomplishes his purpose. He eventually does what he's been called to do. But ultimately, I believe that this text teaches us some things about purpose that will help us live out what God has called us to do. There are some nuggets of information here that I believe will transform our lives in our pursuit of purpose. One of those is really finding our purpose. I told you about your function. It is to make a difference in the life of others, but how do we do that? What, in what way are we going to make a difference in the lives of others? And I believe scripture affirms and life experience teaches us that your purpose is a solution to a problem. That your purpose, your reason for existing, your reason for breathing is a solution to, to a problem. Can I tell you that you are somebody's answered prayer, that you are the answer to somebody's prayer, that when God sees a problem, he not only always steps in, but he creates people to solve these problems, that you might be the, the reason why somebody, your business rather, might be the reason why somebody moves out of unemployment or underemployment. Could it be that your gifts in building and fixing something can save somebody a, a, a lot of money or help somebody? in their time of need? Could it be that your presence in your neighborhood solves the issue? Could it be that your presence in your family solves the tension? Could it be that your parenting solves the issue that your child teacher is having? And every educator in the building says amen. Mm -hmm. Some of y'all quiet because your child really is the problem. But here's the thing. Our purpose is a solution to a problem, and this is what happens in the life of Barak. His purpose arises because there is tension in the text. Right before I read these verses, we learned that the Canaanites were oppressing and troubling the children of Israel. And it's in that moment that Barak is called to do something about it. Can I tell you, there is no Moses without the tension of slavery in Egypt. There's no David without the failure of Saul. There's, th th there's no church without the failure of Adam. There's no Jesus without the failure of Adam. What I'm telling you is that your purpose is a solution to a problem. And if you're trying to find your purpose, maybe you should be looking to the things that God uh, raises up in your spirit, that God uh, pushes you and you say, something is wrong about this, that uh, I don't think this is okay, that you are drawn to. And this is how I, I like to say it, is that purpose 
is found at the intersection of potential and opportunity. That where you find God has gifted you, where you find that God has given you ability, and where you find the doors that are open to you, that is where you find your purpose. Let me say it a different way. Purpose resides where ability and opportunity collide. That when all those things get together, that you will find where God is trying to place you. That you will see what God is trying to do in your life. That you don't have to look hard. That you will see what God is trying to do in your world when you recognize the, the gifts and the talents that he's giving you and the doors that he has opened up to you. This is what happens in the life of Barak. He moves into this place and recognizes God has a plan for my life. And here's what I need you to understand is that while you are trying to search and figure out purpose, that God has already planned the purpose that he has for you. That God's purpose in, for your life is already planned out. God's purpose for your life has already been planned out. Now, I told a story at 9 and 10.30, and I was hesitant to tell it here because my wife attends the 12, but I'm going to tell it. Y'all going to keep me safe. So, when we first started dating, um, it was in the January and her birthday was in April, and it was the busiest season I had been in in a long time. And, you know, I was new to this whole girlfriend thing, and uh, her birthday came, and y'all, I'm going to just be honest, I forgot. I forgot. And I literally texted her that morning, say, hey, good morning. How you doing? What's going on? And, you know, she didn't respond. And then about... Noon, she sends me a text. You know it's my birthday, right? Dot, dot, dot. Y'all, you know you're in trouble when you get the dot, dot, dot. <laughs> and so I begin to have a mini panic attack, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I begin to start making up what I can. I begin to uh, ran, race to Walmart. I sent some money, and then I called the florist. I said, look, I, whatever it costs, okay, just make sure it's delivered today. I need it delivered today. And then I begin to say, hey, uh, I sent some money for you at Walmart. And y'all, forgive me, I lied. I said, no, I didn't forget. I have a plan. I, I sent go to Walmart and pick up that money. And then when you get that, I'll send you another text and tell you what to do. Y'all, I was making it up as I was going. Go to this place and get your nails done and then come do this and do that. And I'm, don't y'all judge me, okay? It, I didn't have a plan. I had forgot. But here's the good news. God doesn't work like that. God has already planned out your life. He already has a plan for your life. He has already orchestrated and put in motion what he wants to do. What you're going through now is development for the place that God has for you. And I know the frustration you feel and it's a delay or it seems like it's taking too long, but it's not a delay to prevent you. It's not a denial. It's a preparation so that you will be ready when he takes you to the place that he has for you. Here's how Pastor Marty says it, is that God is preparing you for the place that he has prepared for you. I want you to look at Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5. He says, 
I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nation. So what surprises you in your life does not surprise God. What has you nervous in your life does not uh, make God nervous. In fact, he says, I know the plans that I have for you. And when it gets difficult, I didn't leave you. I came right beside you. When it gets tough, I didn't leave you. I came to carry the load with you. I came to help you through. And the thing is that God is working out his plan and his purpose in your life. It says it like this in Romans 8 and 28, for all things work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose. What is a surprise to you is not a surprise to God. And while you trying to figure it out, God has already worked it out. He has a plan. He has a plan. And this is what Barrett realizes. And I love this is so funny to me because if I'm Barak in the text, I'd probably be a little confused because Deborah says to him, I think it's verse 6 or 7, she says, has not the Lord commanded you to go? And if I'm Barak, I'm saying this is the first I'm hearing of this. What you talking about? But what Deborah was trying to have Barak understand is you're walking into this moment now. But God has been preparing you for this moment all your life. And I need you to understand, ladies and gentlemen, some of you have been on the sidelines. Some of you have been wondering whether or not God has a plan for me, whether or not I'm good enough. I'm here to tell you and declare to you that God has a plan for your life. He wants to use your story for his glory. But we've got to be willing to understand that he has a plan. And here's the side part of this is that God is not the only one active in this story. And God is not the only one active when it comes to the purpose and plan for your life. In fact, God's plan for your life requires your participation. God's plan for your life requires you to participate in it. See, there's a level of ownership that we have to walk into. There's a level of responsibility that is necessary for us to engage in. And here's the truth of the matter. What God calls you to will many times feel greater than the ability that you have. What God is calling you to requires a level of faith greater than what you have done before. You see... God's purpose for your life will stretch you. It will put a demand on you to believe for more, to, to, to have more faith. And it will put a demand on your courage to have moments of courage in the face of opposition. You see, your participation is necessary for God to finish what he has started in your life. And in the text, he is inviting Barak to participate in this story. He's inviting Barak to participate in what he is trying to do, but we have a problem. You see, Barak hesitates. And I don't blame him. A little context for the story is that the Canaanites had been oppressing the Israelites because they had better military weapons. 
They had 900 chariots. The Israelites had none. And they had better weapons than them. The Israelites were primarily farmers. And so Barak understood that what is about to happen is greater than the ability that I have. What is going on is more difficult than I can manage. And in this moment of adversity, instead of stepping up and believing God, Barak says, "Uh, I don't know about this. I'll go if you go, but if you're not going, I'm not going to go. Can I tell you, a lack of courage will derail God's purposes and plans for your life. A lack of courage in moments of opportunity will derail God's purpose and plan for your life. We got to be real careful. His response is really interesting. He says, Deborah, if you're going to go, I'll go. But if you don't go, I'm not going to go. He had faith enough to believe if Deborah went, but he did not have faith enough to believe if he went by himself. Can I tell you, don't have more faith in what God can do in others than you have faith in what he can do in your life. Why is it that we can believe God to do things for everybody else, but we don't think God can do it in our world? Why do I have faith to believe God to do something in their life, but I don't believe God to do it in my life? The thing about it, y'all, God is not a respecter of persons. He's a respecter of principles. And the same God who did a miracle in somebody else's life is the same God who wants to work miracles in your life. The same God that raised somebody else up is the same God who wants to raise you up. The same God who has worked in other people's life is the same God who wants to work in your life. God doesn't have favorites. God is just looking for people who have yeses. Here's what Acts 10 and 34 and 35 says. And I I love this text because it's a maturation of Peter. Peter started and he thought "This, this thing, this God thing is only about us and the disciples. And then the day of Pentecost came in Acts chapter 2, and he said, oh, this is a little bit bigger than us and the disciples. But it's really only for us Jews. And then he meets a man named Cornelius, and the power of God falls in Cornelius's house, and he understands that it is bigger than he could ever imagine. And this is what Peter says. It says, then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. God wants to use you. And I know you've probably heard that your entire life, but I I need you to really understand that God has created you on purpose and he wants to use your story for his glory. He wants to do something unique and special in your life. And he has no favorites. He's just looking for your yes. He's just looking for you to believe. And here's the sad reality. There are people who are less qualified than you and less talented than you doing what you dream to do because they have decided to believe in God's purposes in their life. It's the only difference. 
They have less qualifications and less ability, but what they have is a faith in a big God. They understand I may be small, but my God is big. I may not have all that I need, but I know the one who has everything that I need. I may not have all the provision, but I know the supplier. I got a real good plug, and his name is Jesus. He provides everything that I need, and if I can believe in him, great things can happen. And here's the fifth and final thing. I'm going to let y'all go. I know it's almost lunchtime. Your stomach rumbling too. Here it is. Is that when we believe God's purpose for our life, God can do amazing things. When we believe, and I need you to understand, believe is not just an internal disposition, but it's an internal disposition that requires outward action. And so when I say you believe God, it means that not only do I know it intellectually, but I act on the information that I say that I believe. And this is what happens in the life of Barak in Judges chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. After his moment of hesitation, he goes with Deborah and God gives them victory. Because he's willing to believe and trust in God. And y'all, the best part of the text, I didn't get to share this in nine, but I I just got to tell y'all this, is in verse seven, where the Lord says, I will lure him to Kashan. Now, a little background about that. That place was a flat plain by a river. It was the perfect place for chariots because they didn't have any bumps and they could just roll on through. And God says, I'm going to lure them to a place that they feel they have security. But in Judges chapter 5, verse 20 and 21, we get the rest of the story where what happens is it began to rain and the rivers over flooded. And so them chariots begin to get stuck in the mud and what they thought was going to be an easy victory turned out to be something great for the Israelites. And all I'm trying to tell you is that it may not look good right now, but if you give God a little time, what he's cooking, what he's working on for you, it will turn out for your good. But you've got to be willing to believe God. Believe him. Even when I don't have all the steps in order, I'm going to be willing to take a step of faith. This happened recently. Um, a few months ago, uh, Pastor Marty gave a charge to us uh, or just an offhanded comment about doing something for fathers. And it caused, my, caused me to get excited because it's something that I had done before. But I came here to Augusta and I was saying to God, I don't have any influence. I don't know anybody yet. I need, I need to wait a little bit until I... I gained some influence and I learned the culture and all these different things. And I felt God saying, no, the time is now. I want you to go. And so I asked uh, Kelly Cardona, she's the director of our Dream Center, if she could set up a meeting between me and a principal. And I get to that meeting and I'm able to present to this principal what was on my heart. I said, if we're going to change this city, it's going to start with families. And it's going to start with dads. And I want to do a program for dads where we, we teach them life skills. We, we teach character traits. And we give them an opportunity to affirm their children. And the principal looked at me and he said, okay, I'm, I'm going to give you a shot. And 
for months we worked on this. And I'm thinking, all right, I'm tempering my expectations. Maybe 10 or 15 people will show up. It's going to be okay. And we'll just build it up. And Pastor Ryan was able to step in for me. I couldn't be there on the first week last uh, month. But on the first time, over 80 people showed up to this brand new program. And this week on Thursday, we're expecting over 100 folks to show up. Here, here's why I tell you that story. You don't have to have it all. But God can do more with your yes than your talent and your ability, who you know and what you have. If you are willing to say, God, yes, he can do great things in your life. He can do great things in your world. Well, the truth of the matter is not about us. It's about making a difference in the life of others. I want to tell you this story as I close. It was the story uh, of a man who lived in this place called Purpose City. It was the place of purpose. Everybody had a role and an assignment in this city except for this man. He tried everything, but he just didn't seem to fit. And one day this city found itself in a drought and there was no water. And they looked at this man and said, because you don't have a job here and you don't have a purpose, we are going to send you to find us some water. So this man went out on his journey and he looked high and low. He searched everywhere and he went as far as he could. He found himself in the middle of a de desert and he was about to quit and throw in the towel. But right on the horizon, he saw a little shack and he began to run to that shack and he saw an old water pump and he began to push on it but nothing was happening and he was frustrated and discouraged but looked to his left and saw a jug of water. He ran over to that. He picked it up and he was about to drink it but there was a note there that said, the pump works but it needs to be primed. If you pour the water from this jug in the pump, and try it again, it will give you water. Now the man had a decision to make. Because if he drank the water in that jug, he would be able to make it back to his city. But if he was willing to pour out what he had and take a chance, he maybe could do something greater than he could ever imagine. So with trembling hands, he uncorked the, the jug and began to pour the water into the pump and then he began to push down on the pump and for a while there was nothing happening but he began to push down even more on the pump and water began to trickle out and he began to push more on the pump and eventually it began to flow rivers of water and here's what I need you to understand if you are willing to pour out what God has given you he will make, make your life matter more than you can imagine this man was able to provide water for his entire city because he was willing to give up what he had so that God could do more with it. And there's many of you in this room right now, you've been on the fence. You have spoken words of doubt. Hallelujah, Jesus. You have said it can't happen for me. 
it is too late. That it's not my time. But I've come to declare to you that God says the time is now. That I have a purpose and a plan for your life. And you don't have to wait till later that you can walk in the fulfillment of what I want to do in your life. But you've got to be willing to trust me, to believe me, to follow me and take moments of courage in places of opportunity. In this room, there are some of you who are saying, I just need prayer for my purpose. I need prayer. I'm, I'm struggling. I want to pray with you. But there's some of you in this room right now who, I need to know Jesus. I need to know the person who has a plan for my life. And if that's you, I want to pray with you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what you have said to us, what you have shared to us about purpose, God. Thank you for showing us that a fulfilled life is found in you and doing what you have created us to do. Help us to understand, God, that you have a plan. Help us, God, to participate in that plan and ultimately, God, allow us to believe you for great things. Allow our faith to arise. God, for the person who has never said yes to you, I pray today is that day. And if that's you, I want you to just pray this simple prayer with me. Lord Jesus, save me. Change me. Make me into the person that you want me to be. And Father, for every person under the sound of my voice, whether in this room or watching online, I pray for your favor and your grace to be on their lives. I pray this week, God, we will see a turnaround. I pray this week, God, we will see a breakthrough. I pray this week, God, that you would change lives. This week, that you would open up doors of opportunity. That this week, God, we will see your goodness in the land of the living, God. I pray, God, that you would stir up the gifts, that you would prompt us and push us to potential and purpose, God, and destiny. I pray, God, that you would move in our lives like never before. And God, when we see your victory, we will say thank you. When we see your hand, we will say thank you. When we see what you do, we will give all the glory and honor to you because you deserve it. And it's in the name of the Lord Jesus we pray and everybody say amen, amen, and amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.